We are in our series uh, of the story, and this is chapter or session 21, Rebuilding the Walls. And, um, oh, how did the picture of, that's our new grandson. I don't, I have, I have no idea how that, that got onto our, my PowerPoint presentation for today. Leanne, you gotta stop doing that. That, that's Jet, Jet Kevin. With a name like that, he's going somewhere. Born on February 13th. Amen. Okay, back to the sermon. There we go. Let's really hope Pastor Todd's not watching, right? <laughs> um, we've been doing this series for the last, again, over 21 weeks, uh, taking a break a bit at Christmas time. And this is really talking about, and again, it comes out the upper story and the lower story, God's upper story, our relationship with Him. And this is the spanning of all of human. Uh, history, all of mankind. It started in the garden with the garden relationship, then the fall of man in the garden with the broken relationship. From there, God had a plan to restore us. And there was a redemptive plan, the nation of Israel, that the Savior would be born in. Jesus Christ, who was born, who lived, who, who had a ministry, who died on the cross, but rose victorious again. Now Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He is our mediator. We get to God because of his sacrifice. Now, for the last 2,000 years, we've been in the church age. This is the restored relationship through Jesus Christ. And eventually, we'll enter eternity for an everlasting relationship with God. The lower story is really how God is working in and through lives and situations to accomplish his story. Choosing the people, he chose Abraham, promised that the Messiah would be born through him. He was dealing with the nation of Israel through the good times and through the bad times. And we've kind of come through that and seen how the, through, even through the bad situations, God was still there because the Savior was to be born and come into the world through that nation. God is still calling and revealing himself to people today through Jesus Christ. And he's still working in lives. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And we're going to read our text. Now, it's kind of long. And I'm going to read the blue. You're going to read the white. Uh, it's from the book of Nehemiah. And so I've kind of taken bits and pieces to kind of fit them together. And um, uh, to kind of get through to our story to, to kind of look at today. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now, it happened in the month of Chislev. In the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I count, continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year, it was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. 
And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad, when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, then you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sandalet, the Horonite, and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that God still speaks to hearts and lives today. So God, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us, and all for your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The nation of Israel and Judah had turned from God, not just in religious worship, but turned from him in their hearts. God brought judgment upon them, taking into captivity as prisoners, literally slaves, for about 70 years. You see, the work of the enemy is to tear down and to destroy God's creation, God's plan. Now, in the story today in our text, many of the Israelites had returned to Jerusalem and the surrounding area. Ezra had gone about 20 years before with a great number of people. He was the priest and a teacher of the law, and he rebuilt the temple. Now we have the story of Nehemiah, who's gone to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. He was the cupbearer of the king and now is becoming a wall builder. You see, the work of God is to rebuild, to restore to fulfill his plan and purposes. Rebuilding the walls. What's the purpose of walls? Well, practically speaking, walls are there to, to protect, protect from enemies, a, a place of security and safety. But there was also a sense of national pride. 
an identification as, as a nation. And as their capital was lying in ruins, it had an effect upon them and how people around them viewed them. A few times in the text that we read, it talked about the shame and trouble that they were in because the walls were down. You see, the destruction of Jerusalem and its walls had been foretold. The warnings had been given. But the restoration of Jerusalem, the the walls being rebuilt had also been foretold. Promises had been made. The temple and the city were to be outward symbols of what God was doing. Israel was God's chosen people. Now that they had been forgiven and restored, Jerusalem was to reflect to those around them that God was with them. Rebuilding the walls would take a lot of hard work and also teamwork. Uh, many, many years ago, some of you here might remember the, the comedian actor Jimmy Durant. After the Second World War, there was a, uh, a show for veterans put on. And they had asked Jimmy to be part of that show, but his schedule was so tight, he said, I only have literally just a few minutes to come in, just do a couple minutes, and then I have to go. So he came, he did his couple minutes, and there was an applause, and then he kind of did some more, and there was some more applause, he kind of did some more, and there was more applause. Finally, after 30 minutes, he took his final bow and, and left the stage. Someone backstage said, I thought, I thought you had to leave after a few minutes. He said, I did have to go, but I can show you right now why I stayed. He said, look down into the front row. There was two veterans sitting in the front row who had both lost an arm in the war. One had lost the left arm, one had lost the right arm, but they sat together using the arm that they still had and were applauding and clapping with just as much enthusiasm as everyone else. That kept him going. He couldn't just walk away when he saw that scene of working together. Sometimes we can get so focused on the brokenness, the rubble, the garbage, the mess, or what we can't do. Sometimes we can get so focused on how big the task is that it's impossible. It's too much to do. Sometimes we can get so focused on on everything else around us that we lose sight of what's right in front of us, what we can do. Nehemiah, in chapter 3, it talked about hard work, but also teamwork. Rebuilding the walls would take a lot of hard, physical labor. It was clearing the rocks, clearing the rubble. It was sorting them out. It was maybe reshaping them and getting new rocks and reshaping them to fit in, to fill the gaps and to build up the wall to where it was. Rebuilding the wall was about teamwork. You see, if they looked at the whole wall around the city, it, it would seem impossible. What they did is they divided up the wall. Family groups Uh, community groups would look after one section. So it wasn't about doing the whole wall, it was about doing that one section, their part of the wall. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that he talks about the body of Christ, that the church is like a body made up of many parts but one body. We're not all the same. And yet we work together, we're meant to work together as a body, each doing his or her part. 
teamwork. Paul, again in Ephesians, talks about the same idea about giving different aspects or people to the church, ministries, for building up the body of Christ. And in verse 16, it says at the bottom, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that what it builds itself up in love. So that it builds itself up in love. Each of us doing our part, working together, supporting one another, builds up the body of Christ. It wasn't just hard work, it was perseverance that was needed in the face of great opposition. There were people, and we read it in our text, who were against them, who wanted to uh, come against the nation, didn't want them to complete the job. Verse 14 of this verse in Nehemiah 4 says this, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Amen? And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You see, the people of Israel were facing real opposition. Threats of attack, of being killed. Here we see a physical threat. A nation, people around them, ready to attack them with real weapons. This physical danger made for a practical action that was needed. Every, every threat, every danger, every obstacle, every opposition is, or these are, an opportunity to rise in faith and trust in Almighty God. Sometimes we hate those hard things in our life. Amen? Oh, come on, come on, it can't be, amen? None of us enjoy the hard things. But I'll tell you, sometimes those hard things, whether we caused it or not, we can grow the, the strongest in them and through them. If we, if we get together, if we ourselves put ourselves, our focus on growing and interceding and seeking God, we can grow the greatest in and through these times. Our spiritual walk... Our victories and our defeats has an effect around, about, for others around us. Just like the text that we just read, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. It wasn't just themselves. It was about those around them, their families they were fighting for, working for. Trust and faith is about taking hold of God and what he called and can and will do for you and in you, and then not letting go of him. Not letting go. But faith and trust is also about letting go. It's letting go of our own fears, our own worries, our own doubts, our own plans, and our own desires so that we can take hold of God and what he is doing. It's about holding on to what's really important, and that is God, our faith and our trust in him. But it's also about letting go, letting go of those things that hold us back, our own fears and doubts, our own desires. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, 
We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. The mind. Every thought captive. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. And so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. They were united together, focused together on accomplishing the task. Many people believe that God helped them in this, helped them keep focused. See, again, the work of the enemy is to tear down and destroy what God wants to his own creation, what God wants to do in his plans. The enemy wants to distract us, to discourage us, to dissuade us from what God wants to do. The enemy wants us to get our, our focus off of Christ, off of God, onto anything else so that the work of the kingdom of God doesn't get done. See, the work of God is about rebuilding and restoring. It's about fulfilling his plan and his purposes, which sometimes go beyond us and what we think, what we want. Paul says in Colossians, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are of the earth. In Philippians, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining Forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Peter says this in 1 Peter, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you, to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 
The next part is about cooperating as team. In Nehemiah chapter 4, they had a plan, a strategy on how to accomplish the opposition that they were facing. Half of the workers were to stand guard. They were equipped with with, uh, swords and, and armor and spears, and they were to stand watch. The other half would keep working. Now, this had an incredibly powerful effect. It kept the work going on building the walls, but it also encouraged the people that they were being guarded, protected, that someone had their back. It also discouraged the enemy. These people who they looked down upon, they weren't going to be pushovers. They were standing guard. They were standing together as a people. Throughout the the text that we read and throughout the book of Nehemiah, it talks about prayer and the importance on it. Just a couple minutes. Prayer is essential. It keeps us connected to God, focused on God, and empowered by God. Amen? How many of you have experienced, and please don't show your hand, how many of you experience that sometimes going through your hardest struggles, devotion seems to fall away? Sometimes even going to church falls away. Because we rely on our feelings when we don't feel good, we seem just to kind of drift away, pull away. I'll tell you, when we go through our struggles, that's when we need to get in there even more than normal. Amen? That you can say amen to. This is something that Christians have been dealing with because we're human for 2,000 years. But you see, prayer is warfare, spiritual warfare, fighting battles both in the spirit realm but also in the physical. Prayer is, is partnering with action. It's, we still need to keep working, living for Christ. We still need to shine with the love that he has put in our hearts. But we've got to keep praying so that everything we do and don't do is, is empowered by God for his glory, and for his honor. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Prayer, well, we pray for ourselves, our time with God and for our own situations and circumstances, but we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for our our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes prayer requests are mentioned, and I don't know them. God does. Pray for them. I said to a couple people today that I was praying for them this morning, that they popped into my mind during my own time, and so I prayed for them. We don't always have to understand. If you're at a place, whether you're at home or work or whatever, and someone or something pops into your mind that you weren't thinking about, you know, it's not wrong to pray. Anytime. And so pray for that need. It could be God by his spirit putting something in yours that prayers needed. We need to pray not just for ourselves, but for others. The result was that the rebuilding was completed. In Nehemiah chapter 6, it says this, For the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days, when all of our enemies had heard of it, 
All the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Hallelujah. 52 days the wall was repaired and rebuilt. The gates were put in, in a total amazement to those around them and to the glory of God. God's still at work at building, rebuilding, restoring. He's building the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The difference here is it's not a physical building. God isn't building something of stone and brick. It's about God building his kingdom in the hearts and lives of people, you and me. See, the kingdom of God is about souls. It's about people. It's about men and women, you and me, putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. The kingdom of God is about those same people, you and me, now and forever living for God and for his glory. No longer for ourselves, but for him. Being changed from our earthly selves of sin and selfishness to being made new in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Philippians, Paul says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Hebrews says this, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every, everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the work of the enemy is to tear down and to destroy what God has created, what God has planned. Maybe in your own life you experience that. Even coming to Christ, maybe you still experience the enemy, just like the nation of Israel that you feel these attacks, these temptations. Maybe for some, you've even experienced the stronghold of the enemy, where he seems to have got a hold of an area of your life that you can't seem to fight and beat on your own. Maybe he's throwing out his lies, his deceptions, saying to you that you can't do it. You'll never be free. I want to remind you of the words Jesus spoke in John chapter 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. First John says this, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? If you feel yourself in battle, if you feel the enemy coming against you, know that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Know that in Christ and him as your Lord and Savior, but the foundation on which you stand in faith and trust gives you the victory. Christ gives you the victory. We just need to live it out. The war is already won. It's just these battles we have to fight. 
but the victory is ours in and through Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't go through battles. That doesn't mean that we can loaf around. That means we need to get the armor of God on and live focused for God each day. Because there is an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those he may devour. But greater is he who is in you than he who's in the world. You see, the work of God is to rebuild and to restore, to fulfill his plan and purposes. And that's in the big story, but that's also in your life. Carla, can you and the team come back? I ask you today as we prepare for communion, what's God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life today? Or maybe the question is, what does God want to do in your life today? What does he want to do 